Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, for more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Michelle, thank you for filling in for me for the last couple of days. And Dr. Tim filling in for Michael. And... Um, we are here on Friday, June the 17th, 2016, and our calling number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Michael, are you there? Oops, my plug was not plugged in quite tight enough on my headset. You hear me now? Yep, we got you. Oh, oh good. Okay. Well, thank you for the introduction and, and a reinforcement on thank you both Michelle and Dr. Tim for yesterday, and especially Dr. Tim on such short notice. I had some folks that I had worked with some years ago down in the Keys that really wanted to get together, and uh, since I was on the other side of Florida, delivering Jeannie to the airport so that she could be in Bristol, Tennessee today for the next couple of weeks till I get up there, I, uh, they wanted to see if we could connect and uh, do a little bit of process work, so thanks for jumping in, Dr. Tim, and helping take care of that. Today, I'd like to look at a, uh, a long-standing brainwash of the culture that what's going on inside of us is all everybody else's fault. You know, it's it's such a huge piece of work to move out of denial. And, and I'll offer, once again, if you're new to the show or if you haven't heard this enough times yet, the definition of denial. It was interesting. I was sitting talking with someone yesterday and they were in a conversation about somebody else. They were in pain, but they were talking about how it was all this other person's fault. And so I interrupted them and I explained denial. Said, so that's denial. So you want to look at what's going on inside of you if you ever want to resolve this. And literally three seconds later, they're right back in the conversation about them. It's a, it's a huge piece of learning, and I say this from my own experience. And how many times I had to say it before my brain made the breakthrough and could hear a conversation different than it's somebody else's fault. And our offering is that we've developed a test in this work for determining whether or not what you're feeling is yours or not. And the test is actually pretty simple, pretty straightforward, but extremely challenging to really integrate, and that is... How do you tell whether or not what you're feeling is yours or not? You just ask yourself the question, am I feeling it? When you're feeling it, you know that it's yours. And the whole world has lied to you your whole life and told you that it's everybody else's fault. The uh, the thing that determined that uh, I was going to take this tack today was actually yesterday morning, Jeannie and I on our way to the airport were... Uh, Michael, are you in a restaurant? Wind? Oh, is it getting windy? Okay. I, well, I'm actually yeah. sitting out on Dock Lake George. Yeah, so it's blowing into your point. microphone. Okay. I'll move over. I'll move so that the breeze is not from my microphone. That should be better. Is that better? 
Well, you sound like you're a little bit further away from it now, though, from your okay, well, hold it up. So the thing that uh, prompted me to uh, to take this tack on the uh, the show today was that we were sitting in a restaurant yesterday morning, and it was kind of a, a little cafe kind of thing, and they were playing all this old-timey music. And this particular song came on that I recognized from many, many years ago. And it's just so classic. You know, we all live our lives based on the beliefs. We live on the shoulders of giants. And in some cases, it was the giant pygmy brains that didn't have a clue about responsibility, didn't have a clue that what was going on inside of them was actually going on inside of them and belong to them. And this song that was just such a, uh, it was a huge hit back then. And as you listen to the words, just, just really tap into how deeply the emotion goes with this song and how deeply the belief is that it's all about somebody else. And we were all brought up in that. And so, Jimmy, if you'd play that song... That'll set the stage for where we're going. which you see the whole world. 
and the beliefs that you hold become filters that twist everything so that your mind shows you the truth of your belief. And the belief that anyone else could possibly cause anything to happen inside of you is just such a total fraud and leaves us with an invisible disability. You know, we, we make uh, space for and accommodation for and support people who have those physical disabilities that are visible. But this one is invisible and virtually universal. My perceptual system is disabled. I can't see life truly. I can't see life clearly. I can't create my life consciously while I hold a fraudulent belief like you are the one who caused me to feel this. And if only you would fill my heart, then I'd be okay. So to reinforce the, the idea that love, you know, if you hold a newborn child, you know exactly what love is. And if I were to ask you as you're tapping in, I asked this question of someone last night. You know, remember when your baby was born and, you, and a big grin comes across his face. It's like, describe the essence of that newborn. It's like, well, total, complete love, purity, sweetness. Now, ask yourself the question, is that child loving you? Well, why, why no, she is love. So who changed the meaning of the words and why? Well, Vladimir Lenin though he's responsible for more deaths in this last century than anybody on the planet, gives us a gift when he tells us the way we destroy a culture is to change the meaning of its words. If you're sitting around in a belief system and expect somebody to love you, to fill a space in your heart that you don't fill by the presence of your own being, then you're going to be sorely disappointed. And that's going to turn into all kinds of raves and rages at why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Why did they do this? How come he did that? Why does she do that? Why do they do those things? They just want to hurt me. Nobody can hurt you. But if you've got hurting there, certainly there's going to be a whole parade of people that are going to bring it up for you. Well, Michael, why would the world be set up like that? Well, my offering is that the world is set up like that because the creator abhors you being diseased. And anything that causes pain in you creates literal physiological disease. That's why there's pain. Pain is saying there's an energy here, folks, that doesn't belong. And so life wants to heal you. So the way the game, and it isn't that life is going to send somebody to you. The way the game is played is it works through resonance. And when I recognize that I am a resonant energy field, if I hold a particular quality of pain in me, then I set up literally a measurable high energy wave that communicates to all the world that I expect somebody to come along and quote unquote cause that pain in me, resonate that pain in me. Guess who's coming to dinner? Somebody's always going to show up to support you by showing you what you're holding and giving you the opportunity one more time to shift and change your beliefs and realize I've been through this 87 different times with 42 different people. I need to stop thinking and talking about them, and I need to talk about me when it comes to my pain. I need to own that this is something inside of me. I need to notice that the closed fist or the clenched jaw is about me. It's not about the person who just resonated what I haven't resolved in me. And the process of forgiveness is how you resolve those energies. So forgiveness isn't about I'm going to let you off the hook because you didn't do what you should have done and make me happy. In fact, you made me mad or sad or afraid or, as that song goes, broke my heart. In two, 
Rather, I'm going to start to move when someone gives me the gift of showing me that into the space. And whether it's my spouse or my child or my parent or my neighbor or the guy across the block or the guy up there on giving his stump speech in the political realm. If I think or speak about them when there's turmoil inside of me, I'm in denial. When I lock in on denial, I dissociate from the very thing that I abhor, that I want to get rid of. And I lock it right into my tissue structure. The world is designed to heal you. It will send you a series of gifts of people who will know through resonance exactly how to fire that in you, exactly how to quote-unquote make you feel what's in you. And, of course, they're not making you feel it. They're simply tapping in on an energetic level, resonating that energy, which causes this emotional disturbance and giving you the chance and the opportunity to work through it. And we're here to support that process with every bit of instruction we can muster and the tools we've developed to understand how to turn that situation around to get out of the lies of the culture. And, you know, there, I mean, if you start listening to the music of the culture, there's so much of it that is just so bizarre and so insane. And music carries energy deeper into the system than just words do. When, when words are carried on the frequency of music, it's like a carrier wave that just takes it deeply into the structure. We haven't talked for a while about uh, Alanis Morissette's awesome song called Madness. Maybe we'll play that sometime in the next week or so once again, where she talks about, in the presence of you, my madness comes up. And her insight is, that I realize that the madness is still in me when you leave the room. And then later in the song, she says, and I'm going to thank you for your most generous triggers for showing me what I've been carrying around inside of me. Life will keep hammering and hammering and hammering until you finally get the message or you die. This is about me. This is mine. This that I'm feeling is what I need to forgive. I don't need to let anybody else off the hook for resonating that in me. If somebody does a crazy behavior and I decide to let them off the hook, then I appropriately pardon them. I let them off the hook and then I do my forgiveness work. So we're here to encourage you, to support you, to help you to understand the process of forgiveness and to really bring it about in your life so that you live as a true human being. And that true human being, once again, hold the newborn. That's who we are. There's the human life. A body without the active presence of love in it is not human. It is a human form, but there's no human active there. The human, fortunately, no matter what's happening, no matter how, many, how deep you've gone into pain and trauma, the human that you are is untouched by that and is always available if you choose to dig it out. And you dig it out through the process of forgiveness. You uncover the truth of who you are. You know, when you recognize this is all about energy, you know, the, the drama and trauma stuff is in one frequency range. The state of being, that newborn energy, is a different frequency range. It can't be touched by whatever has happened or whatever you've done in your life. So when you choose to shovel out what doesn't belong that covers it up, there you find a bright, shiny, beautiful gift, the truth of your human life, you are the presence of love. And once you see that, once you experience that and begin to function from that, then you'll start to wake up the human life in everybody that you touch, in everybody that you see, in everybody that you come near, and everybody that you think about. And so that's what we're here to support, and we're honored that you're here to share this space with us. And uh, Dr. Tim... How did the show go yesterday? Anything to share? Well, I was just having the thought that you just recapped big chunks of the show from yesterday. So it's a right. I think it's a a lovely thing that we have 
such consistency in the message and the whole, um, you know, the part about tuning into our true nature and being able to share that with the world was a big theme at the end of the show yesterday. So, And we had Dr. Phil call in, and we had Roma call in, and we had a woman named Sally call in. So it was a far easier show than in those times when we don't have callers. So, so thank you to the callers and the audience for making yesterday a uh, um, for me anyway a lovely experience and um, we had our support group again last night and again I have to reiterate that I'm blessed to have access to such committed and loving people willing to do their own work and support others in doing their work and and um, and unpack all of the lies and false perceptions that we have downloaded about ourselves and we had some people doing some real deep diving work in that respect last night in the group so it was wonderful just wonderful so that's my offering for today glad to be on the team cool well delighted honored and uh feel very supported by the fact that you are dr tim much appreciation and again the, the same is extended to michelle and of course, the the benefit side of that, the thing that I so often just tap into such deep, deep appreciation for, for me, is that just the fact that I get to do this in my world and to keep reminding myself, reminding myself, reminding myself until in this circumstance or that my brain finally gets it, and then... I remind myself, and I remind myself, and I remind myself again, and my brain gets it in a different arena, and a different arena, and on goes the process. It is pretty awesome. And so, Jeannie, any thoughts for you today? How are things in Bristol? I'm actually sitting in this awesome, about probably a, an 800-square-foot uh, boathouse. So I'm on Lake George, which is the second-largest lake in Florida, and I'm sitting on this boathouse, which has uh, sliding glass doors, 360 degrees. So I'm looking out over this lake. And uh, interesting, the folks that I'm visiting here were sharing with me that brought out oh, boxes and boxes and boxes of, uh, of artifacts that they've collected from the bottom of the lake. And the lake is apparently about 10 feet deep. So they go out with their diving gear and, and they take a long uh, steel pole, thin steel pole, and they poke around the bottom until they hit something or they feel something because it's a sandy bottom. And they go diving down and dig in the sand and pull up. And, I mean, they've got mastodon tooth. They've got the jawbone of a human. They've, I mean, there's just all kinds of, uh, you know, petrified uh, materials, uh, arrowheads, just all kinds of stuff. And they were sharing how one evening they were out doing this. And, of course, we're in Florida. And they're out in the middle of the lake. It's only about 10 feet deep. And they come up and it's getting starting to get dark so they decide to go in and and she looks over his shoulder and says um there's an alligator at your elbow he turns around and there's an alligator just kind of hanging out watching what they're doing fortunately no problems but something they encounter very regularly in this lake in florida so it's kind of interesting conversation interesting process so that's where i am and Jeannie, of course flew into bristol tennessee to spend some time with family where I'm going to fly up in about two weeks and do the family reunion. So, sweetie, anything to share from you? No, I had an uh, interesting trip. We had some medical emergencies and things going on on the plane, and um, but everything was all's well and, and landed safely and uh, spent time with my mom and Ryan and Gabby last night, and then we came back here to the house and spent time with the fur babies. And uh, then this morning, Ryan and Gabby and I hung out. And as soon as the show's over, I'm headed over to Mom's to help her with her computer. And then she and I are going to go do some practicing because for Father's Day, we are going to do sign language to a song during the church service. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. And we do have a caller. Well, let's say hello. All right. It's area code 207. You're on the air. Hey, Michael, it's Shelly. 
Hey, young man, welcome. Well, thank you. I want to say thank you for um, the last time we talked, uh, getting me through that processing. It was a lot much easier. It was much easier and quicker and faster than any of the ones before. And um, my question Isn't is... Isn't it nice because as you acquire the tools, things accelerate? Oh, it is. I would like to thank Gail. Gail reached out to me and helped me quite a bit right after the call, and I would like to thank her for that. Awesome. Yeah. So my question is is that um, once we reach that point of being a living human being and everything we see, we see in a space of love, which I experienced last night in my class of miracles, that I was just, just what we were talking about, that everybody was getting kind of negative, and I just kept seeing the positive love side of everything. And um, my question is, is once we reach that point, are we going to resonate into our lives instead of the things that are going to beat us up and torture us? Are we going to resonate the people and places and things into our lives that give us hope, joy, and love? Okay, so great question. And my first take is notice the, uh, the old language that comes in about how those things caused us pain. And those things didn't cause us pain. They showed us pain. And what tends to happen as you work through those layers is you no longer have to draw the things that resonate your pain. You just stop playing in that arena. And you more and more draw people who come and want to play out of aliveness and joy. That's just how it, how it happens. There's a transition point. And oftentimes, you know, we reach a plateau, we reach a, a level where it's like, man, I got it, this is so cool. And then you're, you prep for the next layer to come up. So while you, you, we hold the space that, gee, at any point where we're complete with our work, it's done, you may not be at the point where it's done yet. There'll probably be other layers to come, but you do get the taste of that sweetness space and to me, I mean, I, I had an op- what I call an opening, for want of a better term, about probably now 30 years ago, where literally, physiologically, and this is why I, I say oftentimes on the show that we're designed to live in bliss. Literally, emotionally and physically, it was just this opening produced a state of such intense, absolute bliss. And in that space, I could ask a question, and whatever question I asked, I was given a full visual and silent auditory answer. So if I asked a question, that's what I was given. And I remember so clearly being in this, and I'd been doing my work for several years, and so it was like, oh, man, this is so cool. I got it, man. What a great place to live, man. I mean, this is just awesome. And what was explained to me in that space of connectedness was, okay, Michael, you're having a taste of this. Here it is. Yes, this is the way we're designed to live. And you could stay here if you choose. But if your instrument is not prepared, you will burn it up. At which point I said, okay, I'll just continue to do my work. And I continue to this day, and I certainly would be the last one to proclaim that I'm finished. So just be aware, you get plateaus, you get stages, you get pieces of the puzzle. And considering the fact that you and I come from a genetic history where in just 30 generations there are 1.7 billion people, the input, the thoughts, the feelings, the realities of 1.7 billion people in our genes, just be in a space where if more layers come up, you go, oh, okay, here's the next layer, rather than, oh, well, I thought I was finished, and here I am back in the old. It's like, no, you're never back in the old. You can never put your your foot back in the river at the same place twice, but there are probably going to be other layers. And, And journaling this space of peace can be one of the most helpful things that we'll, you'll have to turn back to if there are other layers to come up and when they come up. And I certainly hold the space that you're finished, but I sort of doubt that you're quite finished yet. Yeah, I highly doubt that I'm finished. I've just, like, I've just reached the next plateau, but I just, awesome. I just want to, I, I just don't want to, um, 
what was the word I asked you about? Is if, if we man if we're gonna manifest things into our lives that are are positive and healthy and wholesome other than the things in our lives that are like before when we was manifesting these things into our life, you know, the you know, the drug addictions and the and the and the just everything that was not good. Right. Just, well, and that's you know, if you go to the Aramaic, go ahead. No, no, that's, that's, that's just that was my question. I was that was just what I was trying to. Okay. Well, if you go to the to the uh, the word manifest in Aramaic, the root of that word is more like obvious. So, when you're in that state of aliveness and joy, what's obvious is aliveness and joy, and you will tend to bring about, you will tend to see the obvious. And if something else resonates in you, you know, if it's time to deal with the next layer and what comes up is some form of hostility or fear, then the obvious, the manifestation is going to be something based in hostility or fear. The, the trick is, as quickly as I notice that I'm there, I can shift it. Rather than hanging out with it like I used to do, I can shift out of it instantly with the use of the tools and go back to the aliveness and joy. Sometimes, you know, the old habits die hard, and we tend to hang around in those things sometimes longer than we'd like to, but it's part of the process. But, yeah, you will always bring about what is obvious to you at any given moment in terms of what's resonating or moving in you. Good. Thank you. That was what I wanted. Delighted. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Blessings. Appreciate you. All All right. Love you. Bye. Okay. So our call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you're on one of those stations where we can't see you on our control panel and you have a question for us, if you're in the chat room, especially if you're not registered in the chat room, you can only read it. You can't actually type in it. There's a simple registration process you can do that will allow you to type in the chat room. But if you're there and you have a question for us, you'd like to uh, to be in touch, then just call that number, 646-200-4169, and then push 1. If you're in the phone queue now and you push 1, uh, put your hand up, and through the magic of technology, Jeannie and her computer in Bristol, Tennessee, wherever you are in the world, we'll see your hand go up and invite you to talk. So, Jeannie, anything happening in the chat room? Anybody with a hand up in the phone queue? Nobody has a hand up, and it's really quiet in the chat room. Uh, talking about manifesting made me think and manifesting in a little different way. But um, last night when we were uh, having dinner, Mom had brought me a couple of pictures. You know, my dad, there were um, 12 of the children and then Grandma and Granddad. And, of course, we're getting ready to have the family reunion. And so different people had been posting on Facebook um, pictures of different family members and and I had said that I had looked everywhere and couldn't find a picture of all 11 children. There was One of them died when she was three. So there were 11 children that lived to adulthood, and I couldn't find a picture of all of them. And so Mom had found some, and she gave them to me at dinner last night, and I said, you know, I'll scan them and, and put them on Facebook then this morning. And we finished eating. We got back here to the house, and I unpacked and everything, and I opened the computer up, which I hadn't had it open since early yesterday morning. And there was, there's one uncle that it was like he kind of was uh, the wayward child or whatever. And so when we started having these family reunions back in the 80s, it was like that leg of the family just kind of disappeared. And I had sent several invitations to some of the cousins that I'd reconnected with and said, you know, we'd really like to have you all join us. You know, we always have anywhere from 100 to 200 people down on the river for a whole week. And and it's just kind of like that one-twelfth of the family is missing. And I said, we would like to really have you all join us. And so I've sent that message out to several of them. And so last night when I, I got in and I turned on my computer and opened up Facebook, I had a message from somebody I didn't know, and she said, would you by chance have a picture of my grandfather? And come to find out, her grandfather is my dad's brother, that that leg of the family has been gone. And so it's like, wow. And I said, actually, I just got a picture from my mom that has your granddad in it, and I was just getting ready to scan it and put it on Facebook. I mean, it's like this is a second cousin (laughs) that I've have never met 
and she asked me for a picture that my mom has just handed me. So it's like, what are the chances of that? <laughs> well, cool. you talk about resonance, you know, just that, and and manifestation. And obvious, that's a a manifestation when when that frequency, when that energy is obvious in your field, it's going to tend to bring that about. And it's actually been kind of interesting. Jeannie and I have spent uh, a couple of weeks now intensively working on our database and. You know, it used to be when I first, the early years of doing this work, I was in touch with pretty much everybody that came to an intensive order. You know, I'd call them once or twice a year, say, hello, how are you doing? How's your process going? Can we support you? Of course, that was before the radio show. But now, you know, I mean, with things being spread all over the globe and all over the country the way it is, it's just hard to keep up. So people kind of drop out of awareness. And So there were several people that I put in my phone and dialed the number and hung up. I wasn't in the space to talk to them at that point, but I'm going to call these people and be in touch with them soon. In fact, Roma reconnected, and the day before, uh, I had said to Jeannie, oh, we need to be in touch. And there were about four people who just, like years, in one case 15 years, hadn't heard from them, mentioned them, the next day they're on the phone to me. Just, you know, I'm intending to call them and, and they're on the phone to me. So if, if there's any doubt that we live in an energetic universe, you know, it goes way beyond coincidence when you really start looking at things like that. And, you know, and, and there's the sweet side of it. And, of course, there's the other side of it. If I'm ready for some hostility or fear in my life, then I'm setting up, you know, Marcel Vogel gave me an awesome gift about 35 years ago. I was keynoting along with him at a conference called Global Science. And this guy was a 23-year senior scientist from IBM. Absolutely awesome, sweet, sweet man. And he had this Delaware camera, a camera that takes a picture of the high-energy waves that leave the mind when we think of thought. And literally, any energy that moves in me, because energy is motion, sets up an energy wave. If there's anybody out there that's attuned to that energy wave, they're going to tend to respond. And that applies to the good, the bad, and the ugly. So if I bring about the ugly, I want to say, ah, there's a part of me that has ugly in it. I think I'll address that and forgive it. I'll let it go. And then the ugly turns to beautiful. And if the beautiful shows up, I say, thank you for the resonance of the universe. Thank you for the gift. Thank you for the abundance. And appreciation is a powerful, powerful form of manifestation, of bringing about those things that we focus on, that we center on. So that's a pretty cool story, Gina. <laughs> Just right on track. So are they coming yeah, to reunion? I don't know. Some of them said, have answered me and said that they actually, I guess they have been having their own little family reunion uh, just with, you know, Johnny's kids and family. But uh, they said that actually at the family reunion that they had, that had come up in the conversation about them joining us uh, down on the farm again. So I hope That'd they do. Awesome. I hope some of them show up. Because, I mean, my yeah, cousins, I haven't seen them in years, and some of them now have children who are married. And so it's kind of like a whole segment of the family that's, you know, we don't know them. So yeah. anyway, yeah. we do have a caller now. Let's say hello. All right, there code four four three. You're on the air. Hi, Michael and your beloved wife. This is Naja from Baltimore. How are hey, you? Hey, young lady, today? welcome. Thank you. Um, I had a question. But I, not a question, just a confirmation. I'll say that. Um, what took place in Florida? Um. Um. It's not a concern, but knowing that the race consciousness contributes to what took place um, about, about Atlanta, yeah, that yeah, we I heard you. brought about this experience, and then all the hatred and anger against the beloved that did that, and so um, I. Um, said that I was um, compassion with the people in the family and the young man that uh, did this. 
and yes. um, probably getting a lot of backlash and crazy. And this, and I said no. I said the race cars, and we are crazy because we contribute to this because this is our thoughts of fear and anger all the time. And so, um, raising the, the the vibration and the energy of the consciousness starts within me. Absolutely. Not anyone else. So I got to do the work. And so all the hate and anger that I have in me, that I still have some hostility, and I know that in fear, and I recognize it, and people say, well, you shouldn't recognize you don't have that in you because you're God. I said, I do have that still in me, although I recognize I am a part of God, but this is what I'm working on. This is what the Christ says. And so, um, that's one question I want you to address that. And the other one is about seeing eyesight. When you lose vision, um, losing your vision is something. Well, my teacher, Johnny Coleman, uh, said there's something that you don't want to see or in your world that you're creating that um, you do not want to see. So you have to change your vision uh, from the inside out. So I want your take on that, too. I'm okay, well, a couple of things. Talk, Michael. Okay, mm-hmm. great. A couple of things. One would be that, yes, Everybody that's enraged about the event, everybody that wants to attack, everybody that wants to kill somebody is a contributor to more killing. That we're in an energetic world. We've got to stop pretending that, that this is a physical world. It's time for us to catch up with good science. Einstein told us decades ago, on such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy. Energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. Matter doesn't exist. We live in an energetic world. Energies, when they resonate powerfully enough, become obvious and therefore manifest. And this is a manifestation of the obviousness of what's being resonated in our mass consciousness. It's being resonated from the top down and from the bottom up. And we each need to, to wake up, and I'm in full agreement with you. We need to do our work. Can I observe an event like that and stay connected to the active presence of love? If I can, then I become a contributor to the healing of those minds who would engage in events like that. And, of course, has it become a big rallying point around the whole idea of guns? I don't think we need to be asking the question about the guns. I think one of the questions we need to ask, and of course it's going to be called medical privacy, we need to be asking because in virtually every one of these mass shootings, there are drugs involved. There are psychotropic medications. I'd like to know what medication the man was on that created these suicidal, homicidal thoughts or that exacerbated them to the point where they took over because that's for Michael, you just disappeared. Michael? I I think he's probably still talking and doesn't realize he's lost (laughs) signal. (laughs) I'll add in, though, while we're waiting on him to rejoin us, uh, something similar uh, was going on on Facebook yesterday, and I don't remember the exact content, but it was about, you know, kind of like getting rid of the crazy people or whatever. And I quoted the scripture back to him that where God said, if my people who are called by my name will um, turn, I don't have the exact words, but will turn from their wicked ways and call upon me, then I will heal their land. I said, it's up to, it's not the crazy people that need to be changed but the people that have a connection to God if they get their connection right then he says he'll heal the people and heal their land so we have the power to see that change but we have to get reconnected to love reconnected to God for that change to happen and excuse me excuse me for losing my connection there but (laughs) the other thing that goes hand in hand with that genie is where Job after his whole 
manifestation of terror and trauma comes to the conclusion that we all need to start to understand. He said, that which I feared most has come upon me. And you'll notice there are people up there using fear mode to keep people focused on these things. And that just means there's going to be more of it, which means there's going to be more fear, which means there are going to be more murders, which means that there'll be less rights and more people will take charge of more people and take more money out of their pockets to protect them from themselves. We need to start doing our work. That's the direction that we want to support people going is so that as creators, we, we, we create a group of elders, nothing to do with age, but those who are able to stand in the space of conscious, active, present love rather than get lost in the insanity of the manifest world and stay awake and keep bringing that presence of love forward. Also address her comment about losing the vision that there's something you don't want to see. Yes. Well, two things. There's a big difference between vision and sight. I think here you're talking about sight. And vision is a different thing. If you go back to the ancient teachings, they said, for a lack of vision, my people are perished. They weren't talking about people's ability to see. They had lost the capacity to hold a vision of the possible so that they would be inspired toward energetic dynamics that would help them to bring about the possible. Mm. Lots of things that they don't want to see and that they don't want to deal with. And so when I'm willing to see everything that I've been blocking, the things I haven't, you know, don't make me look at that. That's too painful. Stop the projection of the denial. Oh, if I see this and I'm in pain, that thing isn't too painful. It's my denial that has me think it's that. You know, that's the song we started the show out with. I have something in me that's too painful, so now I want to engage in the tools and chip away at what's painful in me so that if that thing, if I see that thing, I am able to stand connected to the presence of love in me with whatever's going on in the world. And then that willingness to see will bring about an opening of the eyes. You know, Yeshua talked about those who having eyes do not see. And when we deny, 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 I don't want to deal with this, I don't want to deal with this, the long-term impact of that is to literally shut the eyes down. And the opening of that does the reverse. So one of the things we're working on right now is a poster that, we, that I created, a vision poster that I created and used for myself You know, as a kid. I started out very young, and from the time I got my first driver's license, had to wear glasses. And uh, it was about uh, 10, 12 years ago now that I was, for the first time in my life, able to get my driver's license without glasses. Wow. So we're creating a, a, a vision poster for people being able to engage in that higher vision and instruct their brains that it's safe and it's okay to see. So we'll be announcing that once we... Wow. Michael? I think he's disappeared on us again. (laughs) (laughs) Are you not here, Jamie? Pardon? You're we back now. <laughs> are you not Michael, hearing me are you there? I can hear you now, but you disappeared again. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm out in kind of a, a, an odd area out in this lake in the, in the floor, central Florida, and so the uh, signal's probably just kind of fading in and out a little bit. So if I get lost, if you'll just jump in, Dr. Kim or Jeannie, and fill in the blanks, I appreciate it, as you always do. So anything else we can support you with? Any other thoughts to share? Um, there's so many. We are here in Baltimore. We have a Course in Miracles class um, at a center here. And so I was giving out um, your number 
also um, the class course can call in because I told, told them that you go to the expenses uh, more than the, what we're reading from the course because there's underlying things that's still going on and that we're not addressing it and um, we're not addressing our fears and our anger and jealousy and uh, all kinds of things still. So I was telling them that they need to call in or get your book so we can engage in the course with me um, much better because I couldn't, like, like wait a minute, what are you talking about? I still have this in me. I need to get this cleared up. And the same thing was with metaphysics. Johnny was a great teacher and told us about denials and everything, but still um, we didn't have the information of how you're going to get rid of it. And that right, was that's the whole the thing. That's so the it got trapped in, in, in us because I, I was saying for me it's forgiveness first. Before love, if I don't forgive myself, how in the world I'm a, a call for love, a love of a, another individual? If I don't, I'm not loving myself because love starts within me first. So I can't love anything else first unless I begin to love and work on me. And that was my, well, my intake of that. Go ahead, Michael. Where's Michael at? Well, I think we lost him again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, you are absolutely right. Um, you know, it, it's but it's who we are. It's it's not something we do. Like, you know, we don't love ourselves and we don't love another person. But, you know, like when we hold a newborn and we describe it as the presence of love, actually, that newborn and so it's who we are. It's not what we do. But when we actually experience the being that we are, the love that we are, then that goes out and other people receive it and are embraced in it and become part of it. And it impacts them as well. But, yes, if, if we don't get back to who we are originally, the love within us, then we can't share that with other people. So we have to get back in touch with that. I think Michael just rejoined us. I did, the silly phone. Well, one of the questions, have you seen the video we put out recently uh, called What is the World, What is Forgiveness? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, there's a really important lesson. Uh, It's probably one of the most misunderstood and misapplied lessons in The Course in Miracles. We recently did a two-hour video. We'll be coming out with a DVD of that soon. But I also did a 38-minute presentation uh, based on a combination of that lesson from the course, a mini version of it, and the forgiveness process. I'll get Jeannie to text me your number, and I'll text you a link to that, and you might share that with the Course in Miracles group because that lesson from the course is so important and so misunderstood. And, you know, it's like, the example I use is I have a garden and I have an empty field and I spray the whole space and my garden grows well. But if one day I start to think that the way that I keep my garden growing is to spray the empty field uh, with water, then my garden's going to die because I'm misapplying the water. If one does not know which world forgiveness needs to be applied to, they're going to find themselves chasing their tails with their hostility and fear and misunderstanding of the world. They'll improve the pictures their minds perceive, but they'll still be living in a false world. And so I'll send you a link to that, and perhaps you might want to share that with the, uh, with the group. I will, Michael. And another thing is like um, affirming um, I'm love or affirming or singing, uh, I love myself, to me, um, I don't want to say it's crazy, but it doesn't make any sense to me because how in the world are you going to say this affirmation, I love myself, I love, what are, you, what are we talking about? 
I I don't understand that at all. I stopped that. I stopped that. Well, that's why. Because they never resonated with me. I had to put the phone away because I said, what in the world is this? And we still doing the same thing over and over and over, thinking we're getting different results. We're getting the same thing and saying, I love myself. I'm like, oh, my God, what? Where did that come well, from in affirmation? That's exactly the reason why I never define love except with the question, have you ever held a newborn? Now, that's the okay. experience of love. You can't put that into words. You can use all the descriptors you want. And you could ha- apply a million descriptive words to the newborn, and you still won't have the presence of love. It is an experience of the truth of who we are, and we experience that when we strip away the world of false perception that never belonged within us. And the way to strip away the world of false perception that's been going on for a thousand generations is through the application of forgiveness. But I don't apply forgiveness out there. I apply forgiveness inside myself to remove the root of the false perception that keeps me stuck in the insanity that I'm something other than love. And so that's the bottom line of the whole work. And we're delighted wow. that you're there working to bring it forward into uh, into your community there in Baltimore. That's awesome. I, I would love for you to come to that's one of my um that's one of my visions. That's what I see. So I hold that in my heart so you could come to Baltimore. I don't need I don't need to know how I need to know it will happen, and it will happen. Well, we'll hold the space. Whenever the you know, late, enough energy. late time, I'll hold the space. Again. You hold the space with me. You're your beautiful wife because this is needed. With this love thing, I have so much. Um, I, I, I cannot get with it. Um, I can't get with it while um, um, looking for relationships. With a, with with a man or looking for a relationship with a friend or I'm trying to get somebody to get somebody to love me uh, I don't that don't even resonate with me no more it's not about oh, getting somebody it's about me doing the work on me and I've been doing that really working on me like pushing everything aside. About relationships, not that I want a relationship with someone else when it's time. When I when I do my work and when I pull the right vibration, the energy of that person that will do the work with me, then that will come. But for me to just look and visualize and I want this man, somebody, well, something wrong, no, there's nothing wrong with me, something wrong with you. Because you, your perception of love is in another person. As soon as the person disappoints you or anything, I don't love him no more. Well, where all that goes? I don't understand that. I can't conceive Well, you, you that. probably, you sound like you might remember the song that was popular several decades ago. <laughs> the, melody, the melody line went like this. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many places. And, you know, we come in as the presence of love. The good old family feeling knocks the experience of love out of us. And then we're sent out into the world to find somebody to love us. And it's an insane pursuit. We want to give up the insane pursuit. And we are down to just the last few seconds. So I'm going to say thank you for your call and your questions and your thoughts. We hold space. And we'll look forward to the point when we can perhaps get to uh, to Baltimore. In the meantime, everybody, create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye. I choose to live more consciously, evolving continuously. Thank you for listening to MindShifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice as we present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. 
For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.